field. That one's called to the right. Hunter on the move. Racing back. It's over his head. It's gone. It's into the bullpen. This game is tied. This game is tied. David Ortiz. David Ortiz. David Ortiz. This is Red Sox Beat on CLNS Radio. I think it would be a big statement if John Farrell started Travis Shaw on opening day, and I'd be totally cool with it. Because I think it would, it, it, if that doesn't give Sandoval motivation to, to play better defense and play better, period, nothing will. I think they're going to make Jeter that first unanimous vote, and I hate that about baseball writers. If you belong in the Hall of Fame, you get voted in the Hall of Fame. Achievement or a new milestone. So don't just be like, hey, we, we signed this player, we're going to have a ceremony. Like, no, no. Like Now, to your hosts. All right, Red Sox fans, Red Sox beat here on CLNS Media, the leading online provider of audio and video coverage of New England sports, professional sports, of course, everywhere. Follow CLNS on social media at CLNS Media. Facebook, just search CLNS Media. will pop up there. Don't forget to download the uh, CLNS Media free mobile podcast app for iOS and Android. Uh, as far as the show, you all know the drill by now. It's at Red Sox underscore beat on Twitter. Facebook, Red Sox Beat Podcast. If you could rate, review, and subscribe to us on iTunes, that'd be phenomenal. Uh, Jess Thomas, Lauren Campbell, and guest this week from Comcast Sportsnet New England, uh, the new face of the Red Sox, Evan Drellick, uh, joins us to, as well. So a lot going on today. Uh, first, we welcome in Evan, of course. Evan, uh, appreciate you joining us. How are you doing? I'm good. I, I, I'm not a face of the Red Sox, but I, but I appreciate the, the, the <laughs> At Comcast you but... are. At Comcast you are. <laughs> That's true. That's true. That's good. Good point. Right. I'm, I'm, it's me, it's me, Lou and Jared. We're, we're, we're one big happy team. One big Red Sox crew <laughs> covering the team. Um, no, obviously we appreciate you coming on Red Sox, you know, aren't playing as well as they ex- were expected to play at this point. Um, I mean, you, you, I think you covered the, you covered the Astros before, correct? So, um, this is something yes. that, you know, you know, you, you might take this down in Houston for a couple of years when you were down there, but you know, the Red Sox, we, we expect a lot from them. Obviously there were high aspirations, as you know, coming into the year, I probably already know your answer to this and a lot of people probably do, but are you concerned about this team, the way they're playing the record they have considering everything that's going on with this team? Concerned. Yes. But con- there's a difference between concerned and kind of saying that the sky is falling, which I think there's been some of that in the media. And just realistically, this number of games in, we've seen a lot change after this point in the year. You look at some of the stats that would c- kind of tell you, okay, is this healthy or not? The bottom line runs haven't been there. The average is there. The on-base percentage is there. The slugging percentage this month, it's middle of the pack. It's 441. That's, that's actually what the Astros are on the season. I think the power is going to come. I know David Ortiz isn't here, but he didn't take away literally everybody else's in the lineup's power when he left, which I, I think people like to pretend happened. A lot, to me, hinges on David Price. Do you get one of Carson Smith back? Third base has been the worst in the majors, right? No, no one would argue that. It's just that you know, if, if, if there were one or two wins more on the Red Sox record right now, the conversation would be different. It's that time of year where you know, a couple wins kind of skews the perception in either direction. And if you've got some positives in the bullpen, the expectations are very high. You know, I, I, I did cover the Astros, but I covered the Red Sox before that. So this is my second time in Boston. So, it, you know, it's not a matter of kind of tolerance. It's a matter of just 
perspective on the play. They haven't taken off yet, but um, I think there's reason to believe they're better than the record shows. That that's mm-hmm. my bottom line point, as opposed to ah, oh, this you know this this team is just not that good. No, they are. They've got holes, but they are actually a pretty good team. Yeah, and, and overall, I mean, you look at it on paper, even right now with the injuries they have, they should be better than they're playing. Um, that being said, you know, a lot's come up and this comes up every year, especially with, you know, the history he has with everything in the background. I'm not going to ask you, are you on this train? But what do you make of the, you know, fire John Farrell train at this point in the year when you hasn't even really had a full roster yet? Because I'm even one who has been calling for John Farrell to be fired and I'm not even there yet this year because of the situation he's been put in. My bottom line with the manager has always been that the level of conversation we have about him is way out of whack and disproportionate to the actual impact the guy has, right? Farrell has basically become the go-to for blame when anything goes wrong, even if it has nothing to do with it. In terms of who has more of an impact on this team, it's Dave Dombrowski by a mile. Uh, I think if they if, if they felt that Farrell didn't have the clubhouse anymore, fire him, sure. My, my attitude's always been like, you can do it, but but... Once you do it, you A, need to know you have somebody or at least have a very strong feeling of somebody who's better, right? The idea of firing them and then just being like, well, we're just going to change and we're not sure what we're putting in there, that's dangerous, right? you got to at least have somebody you you feel good about putting in place. Um, And and, and at that point, all right, do it. It, It's not going to fix third base. It's not going to fix Drew Pomerantz. Uh, you know, in, in some respect, there, there's a level of disruption when you change a manager because you're changing the coaching staff. You know, I, I would have done it in the winter if I was going to do it this early in the year. I think that Dave Nebraska could do it at any point. I don't feel very strongly about it, I guess, is, is the bottom line. I don't feel like John Farrell has to stay. I, I don't think he's really the core problem here at all. Um, is he the best in-game manager? No, but he's actually done pretty good with the bullpen. If if people want to say the manager is important, which again I'm not somebody who who thinks the importance is that high. Well, when the bullpen is doing well and it's a bullpen that has injuries, you then need to give due credit to the manager. I don't think John Farrell is the reason Joe Kelly's pitching well. I think Joe Kelly's pitching well because Joe Kelly's got a really good fastball and now he's figuring out how to use it. Right? It, 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 it go back to the playoffs. I think Tito got way more credit. He was he was. Um, he was willing to be progressive, and he had pitchers who were willing to be progressive. But Andrew Miller, Cody Allen, Shaw, like those guys deserve the, way more the bulk of the credit. And I think the narrative became Tito's making that bullpen run. No, the players make this ship run, and people want to bitch and whine about the manager. Forgive my French. Oh, you're good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm right there with you with Farrell. And um, I know you mentioned third base a couple of times, and kind of the whole debauchery that's going on there. Is this team missing Travis Shaw? Yeah, I mean, we'll just look at the numbers, and he would be – I think he was – I looked it up by by baseball references, wins above replacement. I believe he was 14th. Uh, you know, and third base is such a rich position right now, which makes it kind of stand out even more, the fact that the Red Sox are the absolute worst there. you got to see what happens with Sandoval. He's probably a platoon player at best. I think you you either go out and get kind of a cheap piece. I don't think you kind of spend your prospect capital on a third baseman. I think starting pitching will probably end up being more important. 
but I'm also of the opinion we're going to see Devers. Whether or not Devers works out uh, is a different question. But I, I, would, I think sometime in August, uh, at the latest, he's going to be here. I don't think we'll see him much earlier than that. But it's almost like Moncada last year. Even if you're not sure, is it worth a peak? And that's where kind of the internal talent evaluation becomes important. You know, if they feel confident in Devers, well, then maybe they can do less on the trade market. Uh, and again, maybe Sandoval actually does something, but, you know, it's hard It's hard to <laughs> put much stock into that, but you're going to get another look at him, assuming he can actually come back healthy. Yeah, it's funny, Evan. I, was, I went on a rant last week. These guys could tell you about how really it shouldn't be Travis Shaw being the, the problem that we're missing him. Pablo Sandoval is supposed to be the player who's supposed to be there. We mm-hmm. shouldn't even be worried about Travis Shaw, but we are worried about Travis Shaw because well, <laughs> Sandoval can't even stay on the field. Yeah. Well, and, and this, you know, Dombrowski rightfully has been criticized for depth. And to some degree at third base, it, it, it's actually been a little bit blown out of proportion because Brock Holt's health came up. Marco Hernandez's health came up. Josh Rutledge couldn't play the position. Marco Hernandez couldn't play the position. Like, it, it, you had guys who have a little bit more offensive capability than Devin Marrero who should be able to play a clean third base or something close to respectable and didn't. And I wonder if Josh Rutledge went back over there, you know, how, how would he look? Because there is some intriguing element to his bat, right? He, he might actually be able to contribute something, and uh, thus far he has if you look at the numbers. But between the injuries and just players kind of inexplicably not being able to play fundamental defense, the position has looked even worse than it should be. But, you know... The Shaw for Thornburg trade looks right now very bad. I, I, I do wonder how it ends up at the end of the year, whether it's just a Travis Shaw hot streak, and we've seen those before, or if he's kind of blossoming. Um, they did. They, they tried to sign Trevor Plouffe, right? There were other guys, I'm sure, that they tried to sign. They wanted more depth than they have, and they came up short. And that, that ultimately falls in Dombrowski, right? If Sandoval's your guy, well, you put all the eggs in that basket, it's, it's you know... You can't put it all on Sandoval. It's on you, Dave Dombrowski. Absolutely right. Um, so let's let's continue talking about the offense a little bit here because I know you mentioned earlier, you know, very high average, you know, top top of the league average, but not scoring the runs, not getting the hits when you need them. They're getting plenty of hits, but not at the right time. So what what in your eyes is wrong with the offense? Is it a lack of leadership? Just a lack of clutch play? A lack of enough players in the right spots like what what is the reason this team can't score at the right time because they score but it's never when they need it or it's when the pitching's doing well it's just it never seems to fit completely right in any game yeah i agree with you in terms of the frustration of the inconsistent the timing never lines up right it, it does feel that way except when it does they are still in about 500 team you saw them in the final game against oakland it, it did line up plenty at the end and sometimes it feels like it only comes in bursts, but you know you can even throw average out the window. The OBP is high, and 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 I, I believe it's uh, I think it's third in the major. Whatever it is, it's top five, and that's healthy. That's very good, and, that, and that, that's not a number that can be at this point of the year wi- wildly inflated by a couple of games. I, I don't think. Maybe somebody could really do the math and, and try to prove prove me wrong on that. <laughs> but to me, it says there is an offense here that's working. The slugging percentage has been disappointing, but it's also had an uptick in May. And I think you're going to continue to see an uptick because let's face it, like there should be more power unless you have some, some, 
the question comes down to whether there's severe power regression across the lineup. And, and, and it's hard to buy into that uh, because what would be causing that? And, and logically nothing. And, and I think it's an unfortunate, it's one of those, it's baseball answers, but why isn't, why aren't the hits lining up timing lines? Well, I think it's baseball, you know, in April, they had a lot of hits with runners in scoring position in May. They've been more middle of the pack. So even as the slugging is picked up in May, the timing of those hits has not picked up. And I don't think it's because could there be an element of putting pressure on themselves more without Ortiz? Yeah, sure. But, but you know, to kind of say there's one thing that is keeping them from having that quote unquote big hit uh, doesn't feel if it, it just, it feels too simplistic. It's just not how the game works. And I, I think it, if there's patience here, you will see the hits come at those different times. It's just, it's just kind of how the game works, right? You can't always line these things up perfectly, and it creates this frustrating level and type of baseball. So before I move on, to, I did want to ask you about David Price, but I do want to follow up on the offense because Hanley Ramirez, to me, um, he has, what, six homers this year, something like that, and I know he was the 30 guy last year. What do you think the difference is for him? Because I always believe that him playing first base was a big reason why he was so successful, just seeing that he – you know, was always entrenched in the game. He couldn't really take time off to just sit there. And, you know, I love him goofing off, but playing first base gave him that sense of always being involved. Now he's not really playing first base and he's just DHing because Ortiz is gone. Do you think that's a factor of why Hanley's not hitting the way he did last year? Or is, he, is there something else going on? Well, I think Hanley's a really interesting case. One, he's incredibly important to the lineup. Um, two, you have this issue with, well, let, let, let's talk about the, the, the idea of first base. The narrative at some point did become Hanley Ramirez playing first base helps him hitting. And I'm not sure that's exactly the correlation. I think Hanley was happier playing first base than he was in the outfield, right? Mm-hmm. He had to be. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think a Hanley, a happy, a happy Hanley added up to a productive Hanley. I don't necessarily know that first base was what was creating the level of productivity. There seems to be a pretty clear sign from Hanley, and, and Farrell's acknowledged, that Hanley wants to DH more than he wants to play first base. Yeah, so, I knew that. Theoretically, so. <laughs> yeah, and, and theoretically playing DH then would make Hanley happy. So he should be, you know, his happiness shouldn't be affected, um, or his hit, and his hitting shouldn't be affected by the fact that he's playing first base. I think it's really just a matter of keeping, you know, there's almost like this childlike quality to Hanley. Um, <laughs> where it's, it's, a it's a good way to put ball, it. Right? It's I mean, a good way to put it. Yeah, <laughs> it is. And there's this backdrop of the shoulders and, and how much do the shoulders affect him? Are they affecting him at the plate? How much are they affecting him? Are they really affecting him to the point that he, he just can't play first base? It is an interesting question. If David Ortiz were still here, if he did not retire, would Hanley Ramirez be on the DL? Would he be useless or would he be uh, toughing it out at first base? Did his shoulders really get that much worse between now and last season? And it's hard to answer. It's hard to, to sit there and say, uh, you know, Hanley, you're, you're exaggerating your shoulder injury. I, I don't think that's the case. I, 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 but it, it, he's also not a guy who draws the benefit of the doubt throughout his career in terms of being the absolute best teammate. Uh, I, I don't think not playing first base is affecting his hitting. I wonder if the shoulders are. Mm-hmm. And uh, it, he, if he's not healthy, you do have, then the lineup becomes, you, you probably do need to get a bat. Losing David Ortiz and Hanley Ramirez from last year, and maybe having some regression from Jackie Bradley Jr. Okay, well now 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 you're talking about a significant drop in offense. 
Uh, we're talking to it's Evan Drellick. If you don't know the voice of Comcast Sportsnet, Jess, sorry, go ahead. I was going to say it's funny that we're sitting here talking about how reliant we are on a guy who's so unstable in the mind and has childlike qualities. It's making me a little concerned as we talk about it. Yeah, right. You, you, don't even, you don't even think of it like that. If you look at his career, if he's healthy, he's good. Right? It's, it's, it's just a matter of whether he's on the field. Uh, it, it's, I believe if you look at the numbers, that, that, that bears it out. Yeah. That's true. Uh, so you actually gave me a really good radio segue here, Evan, if you didn't notice it. Um, you talked about someone having childlike qualities and being a baby and someone throwing mental cases sometimes. Great way to transition to David Price. Um, so he, he potentially is coming back at some point. He claims he's healthy. He threw like crap at AAA. Couldn't even get out of the second inning or whatever it was. So my question to you about David Price is, one, what are your overall thoughts on him coming back? But like two, is he coming back anytime soon? I mean, he's got to have at least one more start in AAA if it's even good. Well, I think at this point, it does appear very likely that he's back soon, barring some sort of health setback. And the question I can't answer is, how good is his stuff? Is he as effective as he could be and should be? Were this injury not there, uh, you know, pre-injury? I was someone, and I remain someone who's skeptical that he will give much. But if he's really sitting mid-90s, and uh, the conservative treatment that they gave him has proven correct. Well, hats off to them, and and then maybe they do have their guy back. I, in, in a very big picture, and I said this going back to spring training, the, the difference in the season, you lose David Ortiz, you add Chris Sale. These th- Those are five-win players, right? We're talking about the huge impact players. So you can, you can argue that Sale and cancels out Ortiz. Well, then there's Price. And so, so kind of everything hinges on price in terms of are you a little are you as good as last year? Even if there's some aggression, could you possibly be better? I don't think there's any way this team ends up better than last year's team. But the importance of price should not be undersold. And you, know, you just had this baby. I think I think the chip on his shoulder is going to be there. He, he seems to kind of die down in terms of. Um, some of that social media stuff, we'll see if it picks back up. You know, we'll, we'll see how he handles the media. It, it, I, I think he's, if he's able to pitch the the public, sim, I mean, you guys tell me, but I feel like people are, might be ready to root for him. You know, the, kind of like that, like what else could go wrong? I guess surgery. But, uh, you know, if he's back, are people going to be somehow antagonistic toward him? No, I think he becomes a story of retribution and, um, you know, recovery. As long as he pitches well. Well, yeah, my concern with yeah, that is <laughs> if he has one bad start, it's going to be like, all right, I hate this guy again, <laughs> right that's away. That's, that's why it's, it's so be. important. That's why the idea of bringing him back after one start was very dumb, because even if he was ready, and even if he p- comes back in that first game, was pitching well, and you know some bloops fall in and gives up a home run, um, it, it would open the door immediately to questions of whether they rushed him, and... If he were to get hurt, really at any point, you know, a couple starts in, then you go, well, did they rush him? So I, at least one more start is smart. I think you can even say you should have two good starts before you say, okay, he's ready. We did everything we should. Um, but I, I, I'm not convinced that that's their mindset. So, Evan, we're going to go over here to, uh, to another pitcher here since we're on the pitching track uh, at this point. Uh, Drew Pomeranz, first I want to How see if you <laughs> I did not know if you didn't. So first, I want your thoughts on just the little the little thing with Farrell in the dugout. Is 
is that anything? Um, and then secondly, uh, what can you expect from this guy? You know, I've been a defender of him so far. I know a lot of people aren't. A lot of people don't like him at all. Obviously, it's maddening that he never gets deep into games because his pitch count's so high. So can he fix that? Is like, is he going to be able to give you what you want, or is he just a waste of space? And then also the, the feral dugout thing. Well, there's always a lurking question of his health, right? He says that the forearm is healthier than last year. The problem right now is that the guy's a two-pitch pitcher who, whose mechanics are out of whack. He needs that cutter back, and talking to him on the CSN Any Baseball Show podcast, which you can find on iTunes, um, <laughs> no, he, he, he felt like the cutter was tied into the mechanics. And, you know, he said before this most recent start with where he's barking at Farrell that he'd had the best bullpen session he'd had all year. And I, I, I guess that didn't end up bearing itself out in the game. You know, one of the things he and I talked about before that start was his laid-back demeanor. And I almost wonder if, if that was – it's going too far to think that, like, our conversation would in some way influence him. But I wonder if he was trying to show some fire, which he did, right, when he barked at Farrell in the dugout. But that's all on him. And I, I, I believe – I wasn't there. I, I left before that game. I was in Oakland, but not for the final game. Um, I believe post-game he, he essentially acknowledged that it's on him. And it is on him. And, you know, if it was Chris Sale barking at the manager, we'd be sitting here going – yeah, man, Chris Sale never wants to get take, taken out of the game. We love that fire. You know, but, but it was obviously a situation where, where he had to get taken out. He, he was pulled from the last start because of a health reason. He threw 97 pitches. That's not on Farrell. The question you can ask about Farrell there is, well, if, you know, if this was a different manager, would that have happened in the dugout? And I think there's been enough cases throughout. Um, I mean, this happens across the league, for, not frequently, but often enough that, like, I don't think this is a, a, a damning thing for Farrell that he had an unhappy pitcher. I think Pomerantz really is frustrated with himself, and, 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 and he should be. And I, I think there's an effective pitcher in there. The problem is, if you're the Red Sox, you really can't have him working through these mechanical problems in games at this point. So if you get Brian Johnson up here and he looks good, well, maybe you put Pomerantz in the bullpen for a time. Maybe there's a way to DL him. Uh, but on the other hand of that, is Brian Johnson, is his upside really kind of that much better than the you know lower end of the spectrum of, of performance for Pomerantz? You know, there is a good pitcher in Drew Pomerantz, and if he if you can look at him as your number five, and not you know people got to stop looking at it in the context of Anderson Espinosa because it's not going to get it's just, it just it, it's it's, it's not a functional way <laughs> you, of looking at you it. You can't look at that anymore. <laughs> right. If if you get five to six innings out of Pomerantz, which is clearly all he can give you. Well, that's a number five starter, and that curveball, if it's right, is a good pitch. So he's not a guy to give up on in, in any way, but um, he, he, there's a lot of work to get – there's a lot to get straightened out here, and he needs that cutter back. Yeah, absolutely, and I, I absolutely love that you brought up Brian Johnson. I, I love Brian Johnson. These guys will tell you she's that. Obsessed, Evan, she's obsessed, Evan. She's obsessed. For years. I do. I love that guy. But Did you go to Florida? No, but I will. <laughs> She'll do anything. So I'll do that next year. <laughs> um, so kind of switching back to the offensive side, Andrew Benintendi is obviously, as you know, in some kind of weird slump. I know he's young, and I know you know, he had a really good year last year, so maybe expectations are really high, and he's got that number one prospect tag on him, so he's got a lot of pressure on him to live up to these expectations, but 
like just kind of your general thoughts on this little slump he's in. Should we be concerned about him, or is he's just going to break out of this? No, I thought I think it was inevitable, right? Didn't everybody think at some point the guy was going to? I mean, how could he have gone through the season and not had a stretch like this? I think the everything earlier in the year stands out, and and the, you know once you hit May, you're starting to get away from early, but it's the first time we've seen him in the big leagues struggle for any kind of prolonged amount of time, and he did on. Saturday, have a couple hits, uh, right? Wasn't it Saturday? Or was it Friday? I think it was Friday. I think it was Friday. Friday. Um, I, I, I'm a believer in Benintendi, and I think if you watch his swing, you watch his approach, you look at his performance at every level, there's no reason not to be. You know, the, he, he fits that profile of a pure hitter, and I think those are the guys you kind of believe will have the easiest time getting out of a slump. And, uh, you know, he's a confident kid, and he's not my my worry about the Red Sox. Uh I, I think I think it's just a natural thing that you know, he'll he'll have another slump at some point this year. Hopefully for the Red Sox it's not as pronounced. But you know, that's that's kind of been part of this problem here. So you know, Mitch Moreland disappeared, right? Now he's kind of resurfacing. Uh Bogart's got really hot. Bradley was was incredibly cold. It it it's just it's been a little bit of extremes that have kind of added up to mediocrity. All right, Evan, one last thing, not, well, kind of Red Sox related. So a, a lot of things are going weird around, like, the league. You know, see the Mets having a bad year. The Cubs aren't, are, like, oh, basically at 500. So coming back to the AL East here, the Yankees are in first place at 26 and 16. Obviously, Red Sox are 22 and 21 as of right now. Are the Red Sox really not this far behind the Yankees? Are the Yankees this good? Can they keep it up? Like, what do you make of the division so far as we come here? Like about a quarter away. Yeah, yeah, I mean, you mentioned the Cubs. It's like I don't know what the mood is in Chicago, but <laughs> are they freaking out about the Cubs in the same way that people here? It's like uh, they have the same record I don't know. as us. They same <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Is it going to be hundred something years yeah. they win a World Series? Like, come on. <laughs> right, and the, you know, I tweeted that when you look back at, at the standings from this time a year ago, I, I think the White Sox were in first place. Um, how'd that work out? You know. Anyway, um, <laughs> true. I, I was I was on the Yankees bandwagon a little bit going in. To the year, I, I picked them. Not that picks matter, but but I did pick them to win a wild card spot, and it, it it was a question of how quick those kids developed. But what I went back to was how they came into Fenway last uh, September. You know, they had that four game series, and I think the first game of that series is when Hanley hit that. I want to say it was a walk off grand slam. Um, but yeah, the Yankees had a chance to, I believe, catch the Red Sox or, or pull with them very close. Had they swept at Fenway in September, they were in it. They were in it. So that late run that, that Sanchez helped helped them make wasn't something to be taken lightly. And, and uh, you know, Judge was was not to, impressive to this level. But I mean, why wouldn't you believe in Aaron Judge at this point? Um, I, I I think I believe in the Yankees more than I believe in the Orioles. Um, but to me, the division was always set up to be close. I don't I don't think you were ever going to see one of these teams pull away. I think the Red Sox got a little weaker from last year. Uh, I think the Blue Jays got a little weaker. And the Orioles, depending, it, the question was, what are you going to get from Bundy? What are you going to get from Gossman? Because you know they had the power. And the Yankees got a little better. So you, you basically got four teams, two of them worse, two of them better. I, I, you know, I, I, to sit here and tell you, I think the Yankees will win the division. I, I don't quite think that. I think the Red Sox are probably still the best team in the division. But David, again, 
David Price is going to is going to be the the X factor here, uh, which I hate X factors because it's like, well, what if Dustin Pedroia gets hurt tomorrow? Well, that, that's an X factor too, you know. But assuming everything else kind of stays the same, uh, you know, whether the Red Sox are a wild card team or division winner, to me, might just come down to Price. Yeah, honestly, and that scares the living crap out of me. Even though he's usually good in the regular season, so who knows? Maybe we'll just take to get to the playoffs, and then he'll crap uh, his pants again. <laughs> you know, he his final twenty eight starts last year, he had a three three nine ERA. Right? It, it's it, he became so easy to crap on, but like at the end of the day, the numbers were there. It, it, he gave up too many home runs. His fastball command wasn't good enough, but he was a huge part of that late season run when they actually did pull away with the division. Um, and, and, and he just, he, the early start screwed him, you know, the six something mm-hmm. ERA in mid May screwed the, the fan base perception, which he's never pitched well in April or May, like ever in his career. So it's kind of, we took it with a grain of salt for what it really was, but we got, we kind of, myself included, we all jumped on him. So, uh, I guess, yeah. I guess whatever, but, uh, oh, so did I. yeah, everyone did. I think, I think you really could do it was, yeah. it was very easy to pick a target in David Price last year. And it is still now because he hasn't pitched a game this season. So, um, hopefully he pitches better when he comes back. Uh, Evan Drellick, Comcast Sportsnet. Appreciate it, Evan. Uh, of course, don't be a stranger. We appreciate you jumping on. Thanks, guys. Thanks for having me. Thanks, Evan. Thanks, Evan. All right. Yeah. Of course, you can follow him on Twitter, at Evan Drellick as well. Uh, last name is D-R-E-L-L-I-C-H. If you don't know, I always want to say Drellich just because, but it's not. It's Drellich. Um, good stuff from him, guys. That was good. Yeah, that definitely kind of got us down to what we need to talk about. Biggest thing, biggest takeaway is, um, for me at least, is the fact that David Price is an X-Factor, but he hates X-Factors, and that the Yankees are actually good. And it's unfortunate to hear that, but the Yankees are good. Yeah, David Price being an X-Factor definitely scares <laughs> scares me. <laughs> <laughs> I just but. always go back to his stupid comment about the rubber duck and the duck above water and underneath. It just it scares the crap out of me. But <laughs> e- either way... Uh, Mr. Drellick himself is brought to you by our good friends at uh, SeatGeek, the ticketing app, the smartest and easiest way to buy and sell sports and concert tickets. You can get a $20 rebate on your first purchase by downloading the free SeatGeek app to your phone. Go to the settings tab and click add a promo code and enter the code GARDENREPORT, all one word for a $20 rebate, and go to SeatGeek. Of course, we'll be able to tell you who sent you, that sort of thing. Celtics are going to be in a game uh, five at home to figure that out, so you can buy tickets for that. Red Sox are back home this week, so you can go go to a Red Sox game as well. Um, a lot going on this week, but we can't do a show without doing a Jess Thomas recap. So a big shout-out to Evan for coming on. Jess, this week wasn't great. We were completely wrong, pretty much, predicting everything. We almost were 100% wrong on the A's series. Um, take us through it, Jess, and kind of nitpick how bad this week really was. Yeah, we'll go through it a little quicker than normal just because, obviously, we just had a guest on for a while, yes. which was fantastic. Um, so I won't I won't drone on and on and on and on about the games, especially because they weren't very good. Uh, but we'll start with the first series, which was good, uh, against the St. Louis Cardinals, a little two-game baby miniseries, um, which I don't really like because you just like they're there and then they're gone. You're going to get to know the team. you know. I don't like it. But my feelings aside about it, uh, Tuesday started – the week well with a 6-3 to win over the Cardinals following that horrendous loss uh, two days before to the Rays. Uh, this matchup on uh, Tuesday was Eduardo Rodriguez against Lance Lynn, and they both pitched well, but Eduardo Rodriguez got the better of it. 
Uh, he got the win, giving up three runs in six innings. Lance Lynn gave up four runs, only two earned in six innings. Uh, he did end up getting the loss because the bullpen was not able to hold the Red Sox down. Uh, Boston got two runs early, both on home runs. Mookie Betts solo homer in the first, Jackie Bradley Jr. solo homer in the second. But then the Cardinals came back and took the lead in the third. Yeah, Dexter Fowler, RBI double, Tommy Pham sack fly, Matt Carpenter sack fly, and it was 3-2 to two St. Louis. Uh, the Red Sox took the lead back in the fifth, uh, highlighted by a Dustin Pedroia RBI single to make it 4-3. to three. And then, as I said, in the late innings, in the eighth, the Sox got two more runs on some sacrifice flies and some errors. The Cardinals had three errors in addition to their three runs, so not a good day for them in the field. Uh, the Red Sox only had six hits, as did the Cardinals, but they got the three extra runs. And I think really the story of this one and really the story of the season so far, which I'm so happy to say that I'm wrong because I love being wrong when I say something <laughs> negative about someone. And we were all wrong about Eduardo Rodriguez. He's been awesome. He's been the steady force behind Chris Sale, that number two guy so far in terms of getting wins, quality starts, and good outings. And once again in this game, he was he was the constant again, and he pitched really well. He did, and it's nice to see because, like you said, we were all wrong. We were, you know, very negative and cautious, I guess you could say, too. But to see him go out there, pitch well, and just kind of own that that mound, and it just makes him look so good. And, you know, I'm glad we were wrong because, like you said, Jess, I like being wrong when I don't have a good feeling about something. So I, I really like this, and I'm liking what I see, and I'm liking the confidence and just the, the control and – and the strikeouts, and of course I love the strikeouts, and overall it's just refreshing. Yeah, you, I mean, you can't complain when you're wrong if it's a good thing. Like, obviously no one wants to be wrong, but when it's a, a successful game and you know and he, look, he looked good, you can't complain. Yeah, he was great. It's it's very encouraging. Uh, he hasn't been mentally weak. He hasn't been any of the things that, we, that we've crapped on him for, so it's been real nice to see. Uh, which brings us into Wednesday's game against the Cardinals, and it... Uh, could have gone either way for sure. Uh, it didn't look good for a while because the Sox were down four to nothing after two innings, which was ugly. Uh, this game was started by Rick Porcello and Mike Leake. And Porcello, after those four runs, he was better. He got the job done. He ended up going through six innings, got his customary six strikeouts, uh, but he did give up the four runs. Fortunately, the Red Sox offense bailed him out late in the game uh, after they were down four to nothing. Uh, in the top of the seventh inning, Jackie Bradley hit, hit his second home run in as many days to make it 4-2. to two. That was a two-run homer. And then the Red Sox came back, tied it up in the eighth with a Xander Bogarts RBI triple, and then Andrew Benintendi drove him in right afterwards with a sack fly. That tied it at four. And little did we know, we'd have a long night of baseball because this game went to 13 innings. There was four, four straight scoreless innings, including the ninth, three scoreless extra innings. The bullpens were good. Um, the Red Sox got scoreless outings from Robbie Ross Jr., Matt Barnes, Joe Kelly, Robbie Scott, Craig Kimbrell, Heath Hembree, Fernando Abad, and Ben Taylor. None of them gave up runs after Porcello for the last seven innings, which was awesome. And the Red Sox won it in the top of the 13th inning on a Chris Young RBI single to drive in Mitch Moreland after he had gotten on base with a double, his 16th, which is still the league leader. So, great win in extra innings. Um, I love not knowing how to pronounce the guy's name who gave it up. <laughs> his name is Sam Tui. That's on his jersey. <laughs> that's how yeah, I say it's, it. It's T-U-I-V-A-I-L-A-L-A. 
So, uh, I, I honestly have no idea how to say it. I heard them say it like 20 times, and I still was like, how do you say that again? <laughs> so, say it slower this time? What did you say? <laughs> okay. Either way, he got the loss, which was great. So we liked roughing him up and not knowing how to say his name. Uh, ben Taylor got his first career save. Fernando Abad got the win. Two scoreless innings. Really nice See, stuff from him. So this was great bullpen. Timely hitting in the 13th when you needed it. And to get a road win in that many innings, I feel like it doesn't happen very much. No, and this is what this team has needed bullpen-wise. Like, this is what they've missed. Like, these are the games that they haven't been able to win this year when their starting rotation has failed them. The bullpen still pitched like crap. So I don't think this is a consistent thing with this bullpen. I, I think that adding Carson Smith just bumps everyone back in inning. He's apparently throwing off a mound, so he could be back sooner rather than later. Um, that helps, obviously, if you could help with the deadline as well. But... This is what I thought was going to be that win that defined and kind of propelled this team into what they needed to be. And then the A series happened, which we'll talk about. Whoops. But this was the, you know, you, I'm sure you two had the same feeling. Watching this game, you're like, crap, okay, this might be that win. You sweep the Cardinals who were in first, who were in first, who are a good team. This might be what propels them to finally get out of it. Yeah, that's what I thought. And especially kind of after the game, too, when Rick Porcello said, you know, who cares about how I performed? Let's talk about the bullpen. And kind of like that, that drive and that kind of fire. I was like, yes, this is what this is exactly what this team needed. It's going like, to propel them to be like to destroy the the A's. And obviously, we're all very wrong about that. But it it was a very good win, like and against a very good team. And to come back and win it the way they did, it it was a perfect setup for something like that. Yeah, it was frustrating because obviously. I mean, you guys both predicted the sweep of St. Louis, which very, very good job for you guys. I picked one out of two. So when they won both, I was like, yeah. I was like, this is it. We're winning some games. We won three out of four. Life's good. Uh, and then Oakland happened. Uh, <laughs> on Thursday, uh, Hector Velasquez happened, really. Uh, on Thursday, this game was ugly. He was bad. He gave up a ton of bombs. He gave up home runs to Jed Lowry, Chris Davis, Chad Pinder, uh, Two of them were two-run homers, and it, the annoying thing is that the Sox got up 2 nothing in the first inning uh, for him. So they're like, hey, here's two runs for you, sir. Go go out there and get him. And then he gives up three right back on two home runs. And then Moreland's like, all right, I'll help you out. I hit a home run in the fourth inning to tie the game. And then Velasquez is like, yeah, whatever, man. Half inning later, gives up three more runs, including the two-run pinder homer. So he was just bad. Um, he only lasted five innings, which is longer than he should have lasted because he could have been out there way earlier than that. Gave up nine hits and six runs, uh, four strikeouts. Sonny Gray gave up three runs and in six innings. He settled down after the first inning. He was very good, especially after the Moreland home run for the last couple of innings he pitched. Uh, the A scored two more in the sixth inning to make it eight to three, and they won eight to three. I mean, obviously the story of this one was Velasquez and the fact that he's clearly just not major league ready. Nope, and I think you know you said it perfectly. We we all watched that game. We all saw how horrible he was, and. It's a shame because, you know, I kind of thought this going into the game that, you know, he did pitch well in AAA. We've seen this before. They pitch well in AAA, and whether they're not big league ready or whether they just can't find that transition where they can't be, where they can't pitch well in the majors for whatever reason. And it that became abundantly clear, and it became clear quickly. With like I said, he gave up so many home runs, and it was just absolutely ugly. It showed how bad they need David Price, like because they. Cannot find a fifth starter, and he shouldn't have. He should have been out in the first or second inning. Like this is the problem the team has had to lack the consistency. You know, they win a couple games, like the ones in St. Louis, 
and then your pitching can't hold up, and then you're forced to throw this schmuck out there, and you, you get screwed. Like, as much as David Price, we all crap on him, he's very important to this team. When we all came into the year, we said, oh, look, you have the big three in pitching. It's Porcello, Price, and, and, and um, Sale, and, and you're going to see how good this team can be. When you lose one of them, now what do you do, especially because of the injuries you've had, Stephen Wright's out for the year, things like that. You know, David Price is a huge importance, and you're seeing it every time they roll out some schmuck in the fifth spot. Now they're skipping his start this time, and Porcello, Sale, and Pomeranz are getting the Texas series because of it. Yeah, it's funny how it seemed like we were fine for pitching, and then injury here, injury there, and then you can't even find a guy who can get through, barely get through five innings in the fifth spot, which is obviously concerning. So that's a shame. And it's funny because, you know, beginning of the season, we're like, oh, who's going to be the odd man out when Price comes back? This is this could be like a really big discussion. Now it's like, who are we going to fill this spot until David Price comes back? Like, we have no one. Like, send help. Like, and it's just so funny how, you know, a month, a month and a half can change so much. And just thinking well, yeah, about- we, were talk- we were talking about Erod possibly being the odd man out. I know. And now look, he's, he's, like, he's like, screw you guys. I'm going to show you that. And which I'm pleasantly surprised by. And I'm like, I can't, I just, I don't know. It's, it's like I said, so much can change in that month, month and a half where our first, first regular season show, we were like, so excited about this rotation. Cause like we have a plethora of pitchers and now it's like SOS. Yep. It's how it works. You never know what's going to happen. It's a great thing about sports or the bad thing, whichever one you want to call it. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so let's move on to Friday. This was really the ball squeezer of the series. This one squeezed your nuts, even if you don't have any. Um, That's how bad it was. Squeezed mine, all right. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Uh, because this was a very winnable game. Uh, the Red Sox got up 2 nothing. Mitch Moreland did a, another home run, a two-run home run in the fourth inning to make it 2 to nothing off of uh, Kendall Graveman. This was a Chris Sale game. Chris Sale got a lead, and he gave it up slowly. Uh, I didn't go up any runs till the fifth. Mark Canna had an uh, And then the Red Sox couldn't score any run- more runs for sale, even though they had 10 hits in the game, but only two runs were able to score. A lot of wasted opportunities. Sale ended up going seven innings, as he usually does. Seven hits, two runs, no walks, 10 strikeouts. So another great start for him, but more lack of run support for him, which hadn't happened the last few starts, but it's back now. And uh, it's just not capitalizing with guys in position to score, which brought us into the uh, the ninth inning when Craig Kimbrell came in, nearly gave up a walk-off home run, uh, which was caught uh, a great catch by uh, Jackie Bradley Jr. robbing Ryan Healy Amazing. of a army. Oh. Yeah, it was a great catch. Healy couldn't believe it. Uh, Kimbrell was very thrilled that, that uh, he saved the game. Unfortunately, one inning later, Heath Hembry came in, and uh, Mark Canna decided to come into the box and absolutely destroy pitch to left field. Great swing, way gone. No Jackie Bradley Jr. in left or in the stands. So that was that. Was that. Uh, it was over quickly right after that and pretty demoralizing after after uh, Kimbrell almost blew the game and Jackie saved it. You lose a Chris Sale start, you give up a walk-off home run. This was the winnable game of the first three. So like I said, I'm naming this game the ball squeezer game. Yeah, and seriously, when that when that um first attempt at a homer like went off the bat of Kimbrel like off the ball and everything like, 
I didn't realize it was that far. Like, I was like, oh, good. They won the game. It's a casual pop-up. And then all of a sudden, I see Jackie Bradley sprinting to the wall. And I'm like, what is he doing? I was like, oh, crap. That ball's going out. Crap, they're going to lose. And then he caught the ball. And I'm like, did he catch that? And I freaked out because I will tell you, I was, I, it was quiet in my house. Uh, my now fiance was already sleeping. So, like, I was trying not to kick and scream in our room. And then all of a sudden, I was like, wait, oh, my God. He caught that. This game's not over. I thought they were going to win as soon as he caught it. Yeah, I thought um, that kind of, you know, like when they won the the card series, I kind of thought like that kind of catch is going to at least like solidify that they were going to win the game, or kind of spark that too because that's obviously something if your adrenaline's probably pumping, you're all so excited that you know one of your players just saved the game. And Jackie Bradley wasn't that excited. No, I mean I would have been rolling around in the grass if I caught that, but it was such a disappointing loss and it was, you know, it's, it kind of takes away from, you know, Jackie Bradley Jr. We know has been struggling at the plate from time to time, time this season. And for him to kind of come up big, huge in a game like that. And just to have it kind of stripped from him after just totally sucks. And honestly, guys, like that is, that is why you deal with the lack of offense. It's for the defense like that. And obviously it's gotten better. Like I know we were talking about potentially like you put him on the bench, yada, yada, it's not that big of a deal if he keeps playing defense like that. Yeah, and he's hit a couple home runs, which has obviously <laughs> helped the cause. Um, but this game was just crap because it was just like, you know, you win it, and I mean, nothing says they will, would, but, you know, keeping it tied and or not giving up the runs when sales pitching, you know, whatever. You know, you, at that point, if you win the game, you've won uh, f- four out of six, which is good, and then as a result, you lose it. Now you've lost your momentum. You've lost two in a row. Now you've lost three out of five. And then it continues with another loss. It's a very big momentum shift, which is, you know, that's that's uh, that's sports for you. That's baseball for you. So it brought us into Saturday, which is another 8-3 final. Uh, this game was, was frustrating. Uh, Drew Pomerant started it. Didn't pitch that poorly, but as we talked about with Evan, only lasted four innings and 97 pitches which means that the bullpen had to come in and, well, in Ben Taylor's case, stink up the joint. Uh, he got no outs, gave up three hits and four runs, two of them home runs, and then Noe Ramirez came in, at least gave the team some innings with three innings, but he also gave up two home runs uh, for two runs. So the c- combination of them gave up six of the eight runs, and it was ugly. Um, and I mean, there's really not much to say about it. It was, it was bad. You know, it was close. It was close for a while, and then once the fifth inning happened with the three home runs, yeah, you, know, you can forget about it. Jed Lowry hit hit one in the sixth inning to make them four have four home runs. Uh, so that was just an eight three loss, and this one you can hang in the bullpen because two young guys who were just not ready for this game. You always forget about Jed Lowry. Um, yeah, no, but these th- this game was good for a while. You thought, okay, they're keeping it close. You might be able to pull this out. And then just the crap hit the fan real quick. And uh, it was a horrible game after that. And I honestly, I turned it off because it was just so bad. Yeah, it like, got ugly quick. And I knew after that, um, after that inning, I was like, ugh, this is not going to end in any way, shape, or form the way that I want it to. And I... <laughs> Yeah, it was one of those games where you're just like, ugh, bad taste. Too many home runs. And that's what, they, that's what the A's did the whole series, was hit home runs and just blast the Sox right out of the park, even though they're a terrible offensive team. doesn't make any sense. Fortunately, the offense went in the Red Sox favor in the final game of the series on Sunday. Eduardo Rodriguez, Ace Rodriguez back on the mound, pitched eight innings, 
Gave up three runs at eight strikeouts. He was great again. 98 pitches through eight innings. Very solid. And the offense decided to show up, which was awesome. They scored 12 runs. Granted, five of those were in the ninth inning. But even before the ninth inning, they had a 7-3 to three lead. And they just went nuts in the ninth with some uh, Hanley Ramirez, Jackie Bradley Jr., Christian Vasquez, Devin Marrero action. They all had RBIs in that inning. Uh, three hits for Vasquez in the game. Two for Bradley. Three for Ramirez also. Uh, two RBI for Moreland, um, two hits for Pedroia. So that was just a really good offensive game. And, you know, it was great to get all of those runs, and it was very satisfying and a great win to end the series. But it's like, man, why don't you get some of those runs the rest of the three games? Spread them out a little bit. Yep, exactly. And, you know, of course, it's always nice to see double-digit runs. It's, But like you said, why couldn't we spread those out? Because we needed them, especially coming off a sweep of a series. You want to go into that with more than one win. It, it was just like great, great way to end it. Great way, to, great to see, but still, like, why couldn't they have done this throughout their whole series? And this is what Evan mentioned too. You know, it's hard. It's it sucks to see like the, how the offense is so in spurts and it's not consistent. And we kind of talked about it too, like last week. You know, it's just the team isn't consistent everywhere at the same time it's when the offense is good the pitching's bad when the pitching finally figures it out the offense can't score runs and then you know this game it felt like they were just kind of sucker punching the A's because how mad they were they lost the other three games right because they yeah. realized at that point wow we should have maybe won any games in this series should have tried so a little harder <laughs> yeah yep. ugly so I mean I really don't want to give the MVP to anybody because really nobody played that well because the sale. team is a whole yeah, I mean, you, go, you can always give it to Chris Sale. Why not? Bets at two home runs. <laughs> no, I'll fail. Just Jackie. give it to Chris Sale. But you didn't win the game that he pitched. Give Woo! it to Erod. We're giving so, it to Erod. Fine, Erod. I like Erod. <laughs> I'm fine with that. Yeah, so Erod MVP, uh, two and four week. Uh, sorry, three and four week. Sorry, three and three week. <laughs> Take <laughs> Simple three. Math. Simple math. Uh, yeah, but so obviously overall it wasn't a terrible week because they got wins at the beginning and the end, but losing three games in a row to a last place team. Not the direction you want to be going in, so better luck next week. <laughs> yeah, and we'll make our predictions in a minute here, but um, it's just uh, it was not a good week, and we were all completely wrong. So, um, we obviously have had a good show. You know, Evan came on and did his thing, and we talked a little recap here. But um, before we touch on the the, re- the predictions of what we want to talk about here. Definitely one thing I want to make sure we hit on because it was intriguing to me to hear this. Apparently, the Red Sox have been scouting Todd Frazier of the White Sox. And so, guys, I want to know what you think about this because I don't know if it's the right move. I don't know who else we have to trade if we wanted to get Todd Frazier. But just what do you guys think? I'm not a fan of it, but what what do you guys think of the Todd Frazier reports of him being scouted by the Red Sox? Um, I mean, you know, right now it's just one of those rumors thrown out there. Um, I almost kind of think it's a panic move because it can go one of two ways. It's either a panic move or they know something about Panda that they're not saying right now. or Either that they don't have faith in him that he's going to do well at third or his injury is more serious than we may think it is if they're scouting Frazier. But I don't think anything's going to come of it. But you never know with Dombrowski. You never know what he's going to do. But I don't. I, I, obviously, third base is a huge problem right now, but I think they need to let Sandoval come back and kind of, you know, figure it out and play there and see if he can get out of that slump that he was in before he got injured. Yeah, it makes you wonder what 
faith they have in Sandoval, if that is possible. I mean, I, I love to get him for his home runs. He's a good power hitter. Average is always pretty poor, and I think the averages we have at third base are poor enough, so I don't like it in terms of that. I hope Sandoval can just come back and be good, but hey, if they feel it's necessary to get 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 a player there, I mean, the guy's hit over 20 home runs several times in his career, so I wouldn't be opposed to it for sure. I would like if his average is a little better, but, you know, how, how can he be picky with the third baseman we have? If his average isn't okay like i almost would rather just not bother because like, like in my opinion who are you going to trade at this point and you know morero has been okay you have guys in the system who could potentially help you out um overall i just think there's better options than trading more of your prospects to chicago to give them the one of the best farm systems in baseball which you've already done to get chris sale just to get just to get a rental third baseman yeah it does almost make sense to just not do anything especially if Sandoval will come back. Marrero has, has slid in there, and he has played pretty well. Uh, obviously, he could give you more offense, but, you know, for the moment, he's he's fine. So, mm-hmm. you know, I, I doubt they'll get Frazier, but he has hit a lot of home runs. He had 35 <laughs> one year, 40 another year. He, don't don't, uh, don't sleep on that. No, you, you could use some power in the lineup, that's for sure. Um, all right, it's that time of the week before we get out of here for the week. Let's do some predictions. We were obviously completely wrong last week. This week, you have three against Texas and three against the Mariners, all home. They're back at Fenway, starting with Texas. I'm going to go Lauren. What do you got? For Texas, I'm going winning two out of three. Um, I've been very positive every week, and no matter how crappy they play, I still remain optimistic. So, you know, I think being back at home will be good. I'll be there tomorrow, so I'm going to bring them a little bit of luck. You're so, always there. Stop. You're always there. I I've only been to one that. game. You gotta, yeah, you gotta. Call I haven't her. been to a game yet this year. Like, and you've been to like yeah. seven. Yeah, I, yeah. Tomorrow will be my seventh. So I was wow. I was like shot in the dark. Yep. Exactly. I thought you knew. <laughs> I had no idea. I was just guessing. Yep. That's good crazy. Guess. And uh, no, I think they're two out of three. You know, you have Porcello and Sale going for two of those games. So I think that's a huge thing right there. I mean, I just think that this team's gonna figure it out eventually. And why not do it right now when when you're home at Fenway against Texas? Yeah, right now. That's it. Yeah, I got the same winning two out of three. It's funny. You guys have been more positive than me the last couple of weeks. And you know what? I'm not predicting well this year, and I don't like it, and I'm concerned about it, and I need to turn it around. So it's time. I'm going to be positive. <laughs> when positive things happen that are good. So I'm going to go positive again. I'm going to win two out of three from Texas, like Lauren said. Time to win. You're 22 and 21. You got some home games. You got some good pitchers going. Time to figure it out. Uh, I, you know, last year I was negative all the time, and they seemed to do better than I thought. So I'm gonna go negative. They're gonna lose two out of three to Texas. We just gotta yes, get back on our normal train. We gotta yes. come back to normal. I have the worst week here, prediction wise. So I have them losing two out of three to Texas. Um, I think they'll win the Chris Sale game. Honestly, who knows? Because he never gets run support very rarely. So. Um, but with Porcello and Sale both going this series, I, I count you win one of those games, and then obviously Pomerantz is pitching, so you're just kind of screwed there. Um, so that's what I have. W- losing two out of three to Texas, and quickly I have them winning two out of three to the Mariners. I think that coming off a of Texas series, I think the Mariners are meh, and I, I think there's got to be some success on this home stand, considering they have they did come off like t- whole, so bad against Oakland, and now Hanley can be back in the lineup consistently, and I think you go three and three. Three overall this is what this team has been. I don't think that changes much. Uh, three and three week for me. Um, I'm going winning two out of three from the Mariners as well. Um, kind of, you know, 
they're a, like you said, Jared, they're a med team, but you know, I, we thought Oakland was a bad team, and look at what happened there. So, are we I, seeing the King? Cool. Are we seeing Felix? Ah, uh, I don't know. I haven't even uh, looked. I haven't looked that far into it. Um, they might not even know. No, maybe not. <laughs> so, this is true. So a couple away, but I have a nice four and two week. I feel it's kind of a safe, safe bet. I um, I did want to pick that they that they would sweep them, but judging from how the Oakland series ended, that's was really keeping me from saying that. But two out of three from Seattle for a four and two week for me. Well, I am going to sweep of the Mariners because, like I said, I'm going more positive. I got a five in one week, which I haven't predicted much of, and. It hasn't happened anyway, because they really haven't played that well. But here's the difference. We wanted them to sweep Oakland, or take two out of four, but Oakland, well, now with these wins, is 14-9 and nine at home. Here's the difference. Mariners are on the road. They're 7-16 and 16 on the road. That's not good. They're 20-25 and 25 overall. Pretty ugly. So you know what? It's time. It's like those Oakland series in the past year where you're like, well, we want to sweep them. Well, we did those times, and not this time against Oakland, but we got Seattle Mariners... They're garbage. We're sweeping them five in one week. Mark it down. Woo! I'm back back on the winning track here. I hope because I mean we're putting know. everything back into normal here. Um, so there you yes. go. Back to we're normal. Doing our best for them. I, I am the Let's most go. negative on the show again. Not surprising. Finally, uh, I got a three and three week. Lauren's got four and two. Jeff's back to the Mister Positivity himself. Uh, five and one for the week. Hope to God. It works, actually, I swear. I pray Jess is right because the team needs it big time. Uh, they need they need a big week, and we both thought we actually all three of us thought this was going to be the way it happened last week. Didn't take advantage of it, but now they're home. So hope you guys are right, and hope I'm wrong. But I have to go off of what I'm seeing basically the entire season. So, um, but you know things might change. So there's the end of the show. A big shout out again to uh, Evan Drellick of Comcast Sportsnet for joining us earlier on. Of course, you can follow him on Twitter at Elvin Drellick if you don't already. Check him out on the Comcast Sportsman baseball show podcast like he quickly teased here on the show. Uh, so, of course, you can check him out if you haven't seen him already. He's new to covering the Sox this year. Uh, second sit around. It's been good so far and obviously loved having him on. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter at Red Sox underscore Beat. Facebook is, of course, Red Sox Beat Podcast. Don't forget to follow CLNS on Twitter at CLNS Media. Facebook, same thing, as well as, of course, the free CLNS app on iOS and Android. Listen to all the shows across the network, not just ours, but, of course, we appreciate you listening to us on iTunes, Stitcher, the whole nine yards, wherever you may listen. Of course, we're brought to you by our good friends at ZipRecruiter, Audible, and, of course, Seeky. Don't forget the Garden Report, uh, $20 rebate as well as the Red Sox are home, so you can take advantage of that and go to your go watch the team. Celtics clinched another home game because they somehow beat the Cavs, so... A lot of stuff going on in the city this week, so don't forget to use the promo code. Uh, that being said, we'll be back next week talking more Red Sox baseball, hopefully in Jess's eyes a 5-1 week. For Jess Thomas and Lauren Campbell, I am Jared Skelly. Talk to you next week.